following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. All right. Glad you're here this morning. It's always a fun uh, when we have our, our, our pig roast. I get to compete with the smell of roasted pork. Um, we're going to look this morning at um, Psalm 50. So we talk about uh, overcoming the distractions of life. And today we're going to talk about the, the discipline or the training to be thankful from Psalm chapter 50. So let me read verses 1 through 15. If you want to follow along. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him, a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heaven declares his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am your God. I am God, your God. Not for sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are before me continually. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. This is the time of year that people in many cultures and many places around the world celebrate Thanksgiving. And uh, so the pig roast today is actually kind of one of our Thanksgiving traditions. And we uh, get together and give thanks by eating lots of food. My favorite holidays, any holiday that involves eating lots is a good thing, right? Uh, and it's fun this time of year. I also get invited to uh, a lot of Lahu Thanksgivings. And they really, they really do this right. We limit it to one day, which is, a, I think, a critical error. The Lahu do it right. They, they pick a season of about two months. And, and then they, what they do is they have Thanksgiving every Saturday in a different village. So that everybody gets to go to everybody's village and they all get to eat for like two months straight. It's great. We should do that. And then we would all weigh like double what we weigh now. Um, the Bible speaks a lot about Thanksgiving as we read here in Psalms 50 and other places. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, from, from early on in, in, in Exodus, the Israelites were commanded to bring uh, their Thanksgiving offerings. And it was oftentimes related to the harvest. And just like in, the, in our world, uh, often what Thanksgiving is about is a harvest festival. It's giving thanks for the harvest that's brought in and for the abundant crops that, that people gather. Um, 
And that was certainly true for Israel. And they were to bring their, for the first fruits of their harvest. And they were to offer sacrifices to God as a form of worship and thanksgiving. And, and they too, just like us, they didn't do pork, just be clear on that one, right? Um, but they, they would offer a sacrifice and they would grill it up and they would eat it together as a way of celebrating thanksgiving. Uh, but it's interesting, by the time uh, the author of Psalm 50 came along, uh, he, the psalm is really about God coming to earth to judge Israel uh, for their worship, and specifically for their, their thank offerings or their sacrifices. And uh, God's coming and he comes with great might and a, a consuming fire, some very powerful imagery of how God comes to the people in power to judge them. Right? And he's coming to judge their worship. How would, how would it work out and, uh, you know, if God were to come in a similar fashion and say, I'm coming on Sunday morning to CCF and I'm going to judge your worship? <laughs> well, that's what he's doing here. He's judging their worship. And assessment, his assessment of it is not good. And as with most things in, in, in Israel, and you know, Israel is just a representative of us. Uh, they had taken this really good thing called thanksgiving and worship and had twisted it and distorted it into something very different, something very unhealthy, and something that was, in fact, quite the opposite of what God had intended it to be. And so, um, so, so God's judgment of their worship was not very, uh, not very positive, not very encouraging. And so it, 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 it should uh, make us think about how we give thanks to God, how we worship Him, and what's really at the root of it, what's our motive or our intention as we give thanks to God. Uh, and it's important to really ask, why does this matter? <clears throat> um, why is it that uh, God's so insistent on us, on us giving, work, uh, giving thanks? And uh, maybe you've known people, or maybe you are one of those people who's always saying to your children, after all I've done for you, and you can't be very thankful. Why aren't you more grateful? And we recognize that people like that, um, it's really about them needing to feel appreciated, right? That they are insecure or they don't feel very good about themselves. And they need our thanks in order to feel important and appreciated. And it would be really easy to read this psalm and think that God is like that. Right? That God's somehow kind of insecure, doesn't really feel good about himself. You know, therapy last week didn't go very well for him. And so, you know, he needs us to be thankful, to somehow fill something up in him, in, his, in himself, to feel appreciated so he can feel okay about himself. Uh, but is that what Thanksgiving is for, with God? Um, and maybe that way sometimes for people, but of course it, it can't be that way with God. Thanksgiving uh, has to have a different role. So why is it God needs our thanksgiving? Or does he need it? Or why does he command and instruct us so forcefully? Why does he judge them on their worship and determine that they weren't being thankful enough? Why does that matter? <clears throat> well, to do that, to answer those questions, we need to kind of think through what, what thankfulness really is and why it matters in our relationship with God. Uh, and we are talking, this series has been on spiritual disciplines. At the end, I'm going to kind of tie this back into how uh, we need to discipline ourselves. We need to practice the spiritual discipline of being thankful. So let's, let's think about this. What, what, what is thankfulness, really? Like, if you could just, if I were to ask you, what is thankfulness, define it, what would you say? Well, probably most of you would say, well, thankfulness is being thankful. <clears throat> Cannot do that. It's against the rules to use the word to define the word, right? Right, Bob? Can't do that. 
the English teacher says no. Right? So, um, so how would you define thankfulness then? What is thankfulness? Well, it's, being, it's having gratitude. Right? That's, you can't define it with a synonym either. That's closer, but still a problem. You're really not explaining what it is. So let's think about what it is. What does it mean to be thankful? What is it about? Um, well, um, it is not just about making others feel good about themselves. And certainly that's not the case with God. And as we see in uh, Psalm 50, uh, God makes some very clear declarations that he doesn't need anything. And verse 1 starts out, The Mighty One. Okay, he is God Almighty. In other words, He is all-powerful. He is creator of the heavens and the earth. And uh, He makes it very clear later on that God doesn't need anything because He created it all. Right? If God wants a Big Mac, He doesn't need to go to McDonald's. He can just say, Big Mac, and poof, there it is. Right? He's creator. He's powerful. Um, he, he doesn't need things. Uh, verse 9, He says, I will not accept a bull from your house or goat's from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. Right? God is never in need. And, and this is true not only in material aspects, but also emotionally. Uh, God does not need our thanksgiving. He does not need our worship. He does not need our love. God is in himself everything, right? which means he's the source of all things. All things come from him. He, all things flow out from him. But it also means that he is within himself everything he needs for himself. God is self-sufficient in his being. So uh, all, all the love that God needs, all the affirmation, all the affection, is within the divine triune be- being of the Godhead. Right? He doesn't ever need anything. And he certainly doesn't need our thanksgiving. So when he talks about being thankful, it's not because he's feeling underappreciated. Right? Uh, he appreciates himself. And that is enough for him, right? He knows who he is, and he doesn't need us to bolster his self-image or make him feel better. Uh, There's there's another purpose in it. Um, uh, And and what it boils down to is that love is, uh, I'm sorry, thanksgiving is an essential ingredient or element of any healthy, loving relationship. The reason we need to be thankful to God is that we can't be in a mutual love relationship with him without being thankful. And let me explain what that, what that means, or unpack that a little bit. Um, uh, here, here's the reality. If you are not thankful when somebody is kind to you, right? if somebody loves you, tries to do something, tries to help you, tries to show kindness to you, and, and you're not thankful... What you do is you turn their gift of love into something very different. You warp and transform their love and you strip their act of its love and you turn it into something very unloving and actually in the end selfish. So let's, let's, let me explain what that looks like. Um, first one, uh, you turn love away or you change love by being obligated to repay the favor. By being obligated to repay the favor. Okay, how many times have you done this? Honestly, think about this. Somebody, somebody does something kind for you. They give you something. And the first thing you think of is, oh, how can I pay you back? Have you ever done that? Right? How can I repay the favor? How can I return to you what you've given to me? And, and when we do that, that's not being thankful. Right? We're not receiving it with thanksgiving. We're, we're saying, in essence, 
uh, I don't want to be obligated to you. Like, you've shown this kindness to me, but I want to make sure we're settled. And uh, sometimes Asian cultures kind of take this to a whole crazy level. And if you know some things about, like, Gringjai and Boonkun, okay, they, they, they kind of do this, like, on steroids. And I don't have time to go into the culture of it all. But, um, but, but in, in, in Psalm 50, he talks about this. He says, look, when I come to judge you, he says, here are my people, I will testify against you. This is what I see. It's not your sacrifices that I rebuke you, because you're constantly giving them. The problem is not that they were not offering uh, the bulls and goats on the altar. They were doing it all the time, daily, on and on and on and on. And God says, stop, stop. He says, I don't want your animal sacrifices anymore. And the reason is because they were giving it for the wrong reason. They were giving it uh, to pay God back for what he was doing for them. Right? What God's, God's, God's done stuff for us, so we're going to pay back by offering sacrifices. Right? Uh, put it in another way. We'll take it kind of out of the Bible into everyday modern, modern life. Suppose you as a, so you're a guy, one of you guys, or you're married, and, and you, you love your wife, you're just so, um, so in love with her. And so you start saving your pennies and nickels and dimes and saving up, scrounging. And finally you get enough money and you go and you notice that she's been admiring this very expensive like diamond gold necklace, right? And uh, every time he walks by the jewelry store, she goes, oh, let's stop and look at this, you know. <laughs> by giving little subtle hints, right? And so you, you know what to get her because you know she likes it. So you save up your money and you go and you buy this beautiful necklace that you've saved for, for months or years, and you're just so excited to give it to her. So you wrap it up, and on a very special day, maybe Christmas or her birthday, or just, just a special day, you, you, you give her this necklace, and she unwraps it carefully, and she opens the box, and her eyes light up at the, this beautiful necklace she's, that she's been wanting. And she says to you, oh, you shouldn't have. Let me pay you for that. Right? Now, of course, most of you are going to laugh because you know your wife wouldn't do that. I know mine wouldn't. Uh, uh, but suppose she was like, and you say, no, no, I, 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 this is my, I, a gift. I, I, I'm giving this to you because of my love for you. And she goes, no, 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 no. That's like, that's like way too expensive, man. Like, please let me pay for you. And she rips out her purse and grabs a stack full of $100 bills and she shoves it in your pocket. And she says, no, you have to take this money because I, uh, you know, I insist. What did she just do to your gift? Which pretty well killed it, right? There's no, all of a sudden she took what was intended to be a loving act of generosity and kindness out of your heart, showing uh, your display of love and affection. And she said, no, I don't, I, I don't want it as a gift. I'll pay you for it. Right? Well, that just strips love right out of the whole thing. Right? And it's no longer a gift because now she's paid you for what it was worth. So in the end, you didn't actually give her anything. And, and so, no matter how pure the intention was on your part to give that gift, when she refuses to receive it with thanksgiving, right? when she wants to uh, or feels obligated some way to pay for it, you see what it does? It strips, it empties love out of the whole act. And that's exactly what Israel was doing. And that's why God says, stop it, stop it. You've misunderstood the point of these sacrifices. It is not repaying me for my love and affection and help. That was never its intention. And so they were taking God's love and they were, in essence, turning it into something very different. And when, when we do that, 
what we're doing is we're saying that the person giving the gift really didn't give it with the intention of love. Like either they were, like they were maybe, they, they wanted something from me. And that's why in Asian relationships, the whole Boonkun thing gets so complicated because there's a sense of obligation that comes with it. Like I'll be nice to you uh, with the hope that, that you feel indebted to me and that you're going you're gonna to pay me back at some future point when I need help, right? And so it becomes an, a, a sense of obligation and duty, not a free gift of love and affection. Um, and it just it strips it of its purpose and meaning. And so uh, God says, stop, right? If that's the heart in it, if you're trying to obligate me, if you're trying to repay me, then you're making sacrifices for the wrong reason. Uh, but there's another way this can go, kind of another extreme. And that is when somebody's kind to us, they're showing us love and kindness, they're, they're trying to reach out to us in love. And instead of being uh, bad about it, turning it away by uh, wanting to pay for it, instead we just take it for granted. Okay? And this is a person, so the first person tries to make the giver selfish and seeking their own self-interest. The second one is all about their own selfishness. Right? They, in selfishness, just take it for granted. And again, they're not thankful. They're, there's no gratitude. They just take everything that's given to them to feed their own uh, self-gratification and self-interest. And underlying this, oftentimes, is this attitude or belief that I deserve it. Right? So this is the, this is the guy, so this is, go back to the scenario with the wife, uh, the husband giving his wife the necklace, right? He gives the necklace, she opens it, and she, she gets all excited, says, wow, that's awesome. And then she says, it's about time. Right? It's about time. I deserve this. I've been waiting for, for months, like months and years, but it's about time you gave it to me. Now get lost, you loser. Right? Also, kind of missing the whole heart of the thing, right? There's not a lot of a love and affection there. If she feels like she deserved it, and there's this expectation that, like, yeah, why aren't you doing this? Right? Um, it strips it of love. Right? Because uh, a person like that who's so caught up in their own selfishness and what they have a right to and what they can demand in the relationship, um, no matter how genuinely loving the giver is, uh, it gets robbed of its intention, its purpose, when it's consumed on selfishness. On selfishness, right? And that's what, uh, and I didn't read it, but in the last half of the, of the psalm, God speaks about the wicked. He says, uh, he says, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline, which is the same word we talk about spiritual disciplines. It's a word for training in godliness. You hate my training in godliness and you cast my words behind you. You see a thief and you are pleased with him. You keep company with adulterers and you give your mouth free reign for evil. Right, so these are people who uh, clearly didn't love God, didn't follow God. But they were glad to take all of God's gifts, right? And maybe they were also people, we don't know if this is two different groups of people or if it's the same group, that they were, they were sacrificing. Uh, but maybe their attitude was, well, look, I paid, I paid for this in advance. I've been doing my thing, God. Now you owe me. Right? We talked in the, uh, last week that spiritual disciplines are not cause and effect, right? Which, mean, which is exactly what this is. Like, I do my thing, and then God owes me uh, not as love or generosity or kindness or grace, but he owes me because I've, I've earned it. Right? And that, that's, that's the second person. They're selfish. They take and take and take selfishly. 
And they don't care about uh, the gift. They, they want God's help because they think they deserve it. Uh, but most tragically, as it, as it shows in this passage, they really are in the end rejecting God himself. Right? They're using God to their, their own ends, but they really don't love or care about God. They don't care about the giver. They're only using him for their own selfish gain. But of course, we know that, that, that a, a true love relationship where there's the mutual give and take of love could never be healthy if, if that's the attitude. Right? So, so we see with the child, with a child who's like this, who just is always taking and they're not grateful and they're not uh, receiving our kindness with gratitude, uh, we would call that a spoiled child or more accurately, a spoiled brat, right? Because uh, um, there's something dysfunctional and broken about the relationship. And so that's how it is with us with God. And so God intervenes in this psalm because uh, he understands that their relationship, his relationship with Israel has become extremely dysfunctional. Not because God is dysfunctional, not because he's defective in his love, but because they're unable to receive what God is giving them his blessings, his abundance, his provision and protection in the proper way. They are either making God out to be a self-interested person who's doing it for his own gain or they're consuming it on their own selfishness. And both of those are wrong. And both of those are dysfunctional relationships. So, so, So God says to them, you need to change it up. What I really am looking for, let me spell it out clearly. This is what I want Offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Um, What God is looking for is a heart that is offering up to him gratitude. All right, so let's talk about what it, what it is. Remember, we said we, we want to define thankfulness. So we talked a little bit about what it's not. Here's what I think gratitude is, how I would define it. Uh, being thankful is acknowledging the gift and the giver and receiving it as a free gift and responding with joy and love. Okay? I should have put this up there, but I'll have it in pieces. Acknowledging the gift and the giver um, Receiving the gift that they've freely given and then responding in love. So let's look at those three things. First, it's acknowledging the gift and the giver. Thanksgiving begins when we acknowledge, first of all, that it is a gift that has come to us undeserved. So maybe I I could have put one before that, acknowledging first our own unworthiness of the gift, like that we didn't deserve it or earn it, we haven't bought it, that it is a gift. A gift, by definition, is something we didn't purchase or buy. It's given to us freely and generously. So it's acknowledging that. It's acknowledging that this gift um, is not something we have a right to or a claim on. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's given freely. And we acknowledge that. This person is giving me something I don't deserve. Uh, Secondly, it's acknowledging the giver himself. And it's acknowledging that God is behind it. It is not just his gift that's important, but he is actually giving something of himself to us. That what this is about is God showing us his love, his heart for us. So back in our illustration of the husband giving his wife a a piece of jewelry, 
ultimately, he's not just giving jewelry. He's ultimately, if he's doing it with the right heart and the right motives, he's really trying to give something of himself, right, to display and express his heart of love for that person. And so certainly God does that to us. It's not just the gift that he's giving, but he's giving himself. And so we need to acknowledge him as the giver. Uh, Secondly, uh, we need to uh, receive it. Um, We need to receive what God is giving to us. Um, And we need to receive it as a gift. Now, we all, like, we all like getting stuff, right? And when people give us stuff and God gives us stuff, we always take it. Like, I don't know very too many people who say, no, I don't want it, right? Sometimes we might if we feel too many strings attached. Um, but, but here's what we often do, right? As, as I said before, how often do we receive the gift and then try to switch it up by finding some way to pay it back? Yeah, honestly, do you ever do that? Maybe, maybe you're not quite sure and don't even see it, but... Um, but we do this, like, and, and we do this with God. Like, it works like this. Like, God pours out his love. He's saved us. He's shown us his grace and favor. And so what we do is we feel kind of guilty. And we think, oh, man, I, I owe God. That's interesting. Uh, Andy picked a song, uh, and I like the song. I like the words. It was talked about the, the debt of love we owe, Right? And that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous phrase because that could, that could go badly, right? If it's a debt of love, it's okay. But how, much, how often do we drop the love off and it just becomes a debt? A debt, right? And so we serve God. Maybe we're in full-time Christian service. Maybe we're working for God full-time and we do it. Why? Because we feel obligated that we owe God something. We owe Him a debt because He's done all this stuff for us. And we somehow owe him. Um, it's dangerous between debt and debt of love. Right? We, we do owe him a debt of love, but at the root of a debt of love is gratitude and thanksgiving, not obligation and duty. So here's the question, why are you serving God? Or maybe even, why are you here in church this morning? Like, are you here in church this morning because you feel like you owe God something? And the only reason you showed up is to somehow pay off your debt to God? Right? If that's you, you probably don't really enjoy church a whole lot, right? It's kind of like doing the dishes. <laughs> it's like, well, I have to. I have to go to church. I have to worship. I have to pray. It's all these things God wants for me to pay back my debt to Him. Right? Well, you're that wife that's, that's, that's trying to cram money back at his husband going, well, let me pay you for that. You see how that just strips love out of the gifts that God is giving us, right? Um, so, so we need to receive it as a free gift of God's love and grace, His compassion. And we do that not by trying to pay for it or deserve it or somehow make ourselves worthy of His love. Right? That cheats it. It deprives it of love. Then, then finally, we need to respond appropriately. And we respond appropriately, appropriately by receiving the gift with joyful love. It's like, wow. And, and this is important. And this is actually kind of life transforming. This is healing and powerful. When we're able to receive God's love as a gift and respond to him with joyful thanksgiving, with joy, with joying in 
rejoicing in the fact that God loves us. But for some of this is hard because we, we're pretty convinced we're pretty unlovable. And we've got the wrong idea. We think love depends on my lovableness. Right? And, 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 and if we're honest, we know that we're not very lovely. And we would say to ourselves, you know, if I were God, I wouldn't love me. <laughs> right? But we miss the point that God's love originates with His being, His character, not mine. God is loving because that's who He is, not because of who I am. And so responding joyfully is enjoying and delighting in who God is as this loving Father who's generous toward us in grace and kindness. And we, we respond joyfully that we have a God who's like that, who would so bless us. Right? Um, there's, there's, there's yet one more reason why... Um, what God says here. He says in verse uh, um, 13, uh, do, do I eat the flesh of bulls and drink the blood of goats? Right? If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He says, I, I don't accept. He says, I'm not receiving. I don't, I don't want your burnt offerings. There's, a, another, there's yet one other important reason why that's true for God. First reason, as we said, is because they were offering it without thanksgiving. They were trying to obligate God through their sacrifices. But secondly... Even if they were giving them with the right spirit, in the end, God still rejects all animal sacrifices because they are not adequate or sufficient to bring about salvation. Right? That's what we looked at as we went through the book of Hebrews. Uh, the blood of bulls and goats is not enough to cover sin. And it was a picture. God gave those gifts. He gave those things as a picture, as an image, as an object lesson, uh, pointing to the one true, perfect, and supreme sacrifice, which is, which is what? Jesus, right? Jesus. Jesus was, and by his blood, we have forgiveness of sins. It was through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as our substitute in our place that, that the wrath of God was satisfied, that our sin was covered. Right? So, uh, for, so Romans 5, 8, and 9 puts it this way, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Right? That is God's ultimate gift and it's the ultimate source of all our thanksgiving. Like We should be thankful for all of God's many amazing gifts, his health, his protection, his provision for us. But at the root of all of our thanksgiving is the fact that God gave his only son, Jesus, who came to earth and took on human flesh so that he could go and die on the cross and give his life and pour out his blood for us. Right? That is God's ultimate expression of his love and kindness toward us. And so we need to acknowledge that gift, acknowledge the one who gave it out of pure love. Uh, we need to receive that gift freely. And that's why it's all about faith, right? The, the only thing that we give in purchase is faith. We, we believe it's true. We accept his gift by faith, right? Not through works, not by earning it, and not by serving but through faith. Right? 
And then, and then we respond by enjoying the God who gave it, by delighting in him, by worshiping him. Um, and he says at the end of verse 50, or in verse 15, he says, And I want you to call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. So this really defines and spells out the nature of God's relationship with us. God wants to be in a relationship with us where he is our helper, where he's our hero, our savior, our rescuer. But in order for this to work, we need to come to him and ask him for help. We need to put ourselves in a dependent relationship with him where we need him, where we're not solving all of our own problems, where we're turning to him for his help. And he says, through this, he says, you will give me glory. You will glorify me. Um, and one of the most important reasons we need to learn to be thankful is, is thankfulness is one of the most significant ways that our life glorifies God. Now here again, we can, uh, we can kind of go back to the same place with thankfulness. We can say, well, is God's glory something that he needs? Like, did God save us because, uh, again, he's insecure and he's hoping that fame and glory will make him feel good? Well, um, of course, that's not true. Uh, God, again, does not need anything from us. In fact, God is radiant with glory. There's nothing any of us can do to add to God's glory. God's glory is over the top. And throughout Scripture, it describes His glory in, in, in terms that are you know, he's immeasurable, the immeasurable riches, riches of His grace, the undescribable nature of His glory. Right. God's not saying we need to be thankful to kind of bolster his fame and boost his ratings. Right? Uh, rather, uh, God's glory is what he is. And it would be selfish for God to hide or hold back his glory. Right? It is his generosity to display and shine his glory for everybody to see. Uh, many years ago, I got to go, to go to the Smithsonian, and there I saw the, the Hope Diamond. Not the world's largest diamond, but really close. Something like 110 carats. It's like this big around. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's got this very kind of blue hue. It's a spectacular diamond. But one of the things that makes the diamond so fascinating is its story. And it's got a, a story. I won't go into all the details. But, but what's fascinating in the way it got to the Smithsonian is there was a jeweler named, um, I forget his name, Harry, Harry Winston, I think. Henry Winston. Uh, who had the diamond, and um, and it was worth millions of dollars, millions. And he decided that it was such a beautiful diamond, it really wasn't right or fair for him to keep it to himself. And so he donated it to the Smithsonian so that everybody could enjoy its beauty. And, he, and interestingly enough, he put it in a cardboard box, put it in the mail, and mailed it to the Smithsonian. <laughs> like, there's faith. Wow. Um, but his heart was that he wanted to share the glory of that diamond with everybody. That's how it is with God's glory. God's, God's glory is something he wants to share. Right? He doesn't hoard it. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't lock it away in a safe where nobody can see it. He wants to display his glory. And he wants the world to see the beauty and wonder of his majesty and his being and his love and his character, the perfection of all that he is. And so one of the ways that he does that is he does that through us, his people. 
He says, you know, this is how it works. When, when you call on me and I save you and I rescue you and you give thanks and you stand up and you declare what I have done for you, it shows my glory. Right? It displays my glory like that diamond for those in the world to see it. So, so one of the most significant ways that we can glorify God is by giving thanks. Um, Ephesians 2, 4-7 through 7 puts it this way, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Grace is a free gift. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And why did he do all that? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's so loving and he just wants to, he wants to show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us. So that he can show off his glory to the world for all to see how incredible he is. Not because he's an egomaniac, because, but because his glory is worthy, as we sang this morning, it is worthy of being shown to the world. He is worthy of glory. And we should be eager to display it to the world. Okay, so that's what Thanksgiving is, right? And that's really the heart of it. It is essential an essential element for us to have a mutual, loving relationship with God that's not dysfunctional. Until we can receive his gifts with love and turn it back in love and in kindness through thanksgiving, then we're we're, we're messing up God's gift to us. We're diminishing it in some way until we can be truly thankful for it. So so let's, let's close with a couple practical points on how we can practice this. The truth is, thankfulness for most of us does not come, come easily to our nature. Um, and, and there's reasons for that. Um, so, so how do we practice this? How do we put this into practice? This is where spiritual disciplines comes in. Uh, if you remember, we said spiritual disciplines are a, are a means to an end. The goal here is giving glory to God by being thankful. So how do we practice that? Well, first of all, I think we can do it by, by the discipline of acknowledging the gift and the giver. Uh, like finding ways to practice this. Uh, and, and the reality is for a lot of us, we need to practice because we so easily uh, sabotage God's love for us. And sometimes it's very subtle. And you know, in our heads, we know that God is love, but by the time it gets to our heart, we've changed it into something we have to earn or deserve or merit. So we need to practice. And, and one of the ways we do that is by the discipline of just reciting God's goodness. I don't know about you, but I need to do this over and over again to convince myself that God does not have false motives in his giving. Right? Have you ever been to the mall and there's that obnoxious guy who comes up and wants to give you something? You know, here, this is for you, right? And like we know, because we've had this happen to us, that he's really not being generous, that he really wants to sell us something. Right? So we get really nervous about those kind of free gifts. Do we do that to God? Like, well, God must want something. He's, he's after something. Right? I think another way to practice this, another way to discipline ourselves to acknowledge the gift and the giver is to actually be 
generous in giving gifts ourselves. Right? To like randomly start just giving people gifts to practice what this looks like. Right? To practice. So, like, you know, your wife is a good place to start, your husband, your kids, but also strangers. Like, just give somebody some, some you know, 100 baht just out of generosity. Just see, it kind of freaks them out, right? Practice being the giver instead of just the taker, right? Practice. Those disciplines, practicing that, will help us come to really experience the reality of, of, of God's love for us. Second one, practice receiving the gift well. Um, again, how many of us do not receive gifts well? Like when somebody compliments you, what's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? Oh, it was really nothing. Right? Are you receiving the gift then or are you deflecting it? Are you changing it? Somebody's trying to show you kindness by complimenting you, saying, that was really, that was really cool. I'm complimenting you. And we deflect it right, by saying, oh, it was nothing, or, well, I was just lucky. Right? Instead of what? Instead of receiving it. Well, that person just spoke a kind word to me. I'm going to take that in and receive that kindness. Right? Practice that whether it's loving words or, or gifts, right, that we receive it without trying to pay for it or deserve it or feeling guilty and obligated. Right? It takes practice, right? Um, I think we also need to practice being dependent instead of independent. This takes practice because we are fiercely independent people. Right? A great way to practice this is to start... Practicing the discipline of asking for help often. Like even if you could do it yourself, like just ask somebody to help you. Right? It's like after church, you know, we're going to need help hauling chairs down. Now Ted could have said, I got this. I'm Superman. You know, I, was in the, I was in the Air Force. I'm going to just carry all 50 chairs down by myself. But that would be being independent. But no, we're asking help. Right? Um, practice that. Practice at here, guys. Instead of using Google, just ask. Practice asking for directions. Ah, I'll stick with Google. I'm sticking with Google. Okay. Lastly, practice responding with joyful, loving gratitude. Okay, and again, you got to be careful with this one. Uh, when we respond, make sure that we show gratitude without payback. Right. So. Uh, Responding well doesn't mean we receive the gift by giving back another gift. Right? We, receive, we respond with joy. But you might want to give a card. Practice the art of, of writing thank you notes. Uh, but be careful you're not paying back. Like you're not obligating that person. Right? Make it a, an ugly card or something. I don't know. Um, be thankful. Right? Practice. And this is vitally important because as, as the psalm says... This is how we glorify God, right? When we become truly thankful people, it orders our relationship with God correctly. And through it, God is glorified. Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.